Well, thank you for coming to Palm Vista Community Church. We are continuing our series in the book of Mark. And we have been in this book now for several weeks. And the series is entitled Incredible. It, it truly is an incredible series, isn't it? And we're coming up on chapter 8, verse 22, and we're going to slow down in the book of Mark. Because what Mark is doing and what Jesus is doing in his book is that he is revealing who he is to his disciples. He is sharpening or adjusting their vision. So the title of the message this morning is, Jesus Adjusts Our Vision. Jesus Adjusts Our Vision. So turn to Mark chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus now is going to be adjusting the disciples' vision. And as he adjusts their vision, obviously, we are reading, he's adjusting our vision. Our vision of what? Our vision of him. Who is he? Do you see him clearly? That's the question this morning. So let's read Mark 8, 22 to 26. And before we read, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us a clear picture Holy Spirit, sir, you came to reveal the Son. Jesus, you said that I've come to reveal the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, revealing yourself, God, to us, three in one. Lord, we're finite. It's hard for us to see. We're like this blind man. At times we see dimly. Lord, help us that we would see everything clearly in Jesus name. Amen. Are you there? Mark chapter 8. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, can I encourage you to grab one from the table? Our worship service is centered in around God's word and it'd be helpful if you could see it, put your finger on it. If you don't want to do that, look on with someone next to you. If you have it digitally, great. But but look at let's look at these words as we listen to them. These are God's very words. God's very words. Mark chapter 8 verse 22. And they, the disciples and Jesus, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him, Jesus, a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he, Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he, the blind man, looked up and said, I see people, but... They look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he, the blind man, opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And he, Jesus, sent him, the blind man, to his home saying, Do not even enter the village. Now a couple of things jump out at me in this text. I think they probably do to you as well. I mean the obvious one is the headline, right? Blind man sees. Miami Herald. Blind man sees. That jumps right out at me. But you know what else jumps out at me? How he was healed. I mean, Jesus spit on his eyes. That kind of grabs our attention, doesn't it? That's a little bit unusual for us today. But what jumps out even more at me is the personal touch. 
the personal touch. Four times in these verses, you have Jesus either touching someone, asking Jesus to touch someone, or Jesus laying his hands on someone. Four times. The personal touch. But the thing that jumps out at me the most is the gradual nature of this man's healing. I mean, normally Jesus just says, blind man, be healed. Boom, eyes are open and he's healed. But that doesn't happen here. So here's the question I want to plant in your mind. Why is this healing gradual? What is God up to here? It doesn't kind of seem to make sense. Did Jesus have a power outage? Did he kind of not have his powers at that moment, so he had to do it gradually? Or is there a purpose for God healing this man gradually in a rather unusual way? To answer that question, which is the question that drives this text, we've got to have a little context. Because a text without a context at times can be a pretext. So let's look at the context, shall we? It's in this very chapter, in chapter 8. Look at verse 14. At verse 14 in chapter 8, you've got Jesus and the disciples jumping into a boat again. Map, please. Thank you. They're probably in this area here of Magdala, and they're going to head off in their little boat, little 27-foot boat, up to Bethsaida. This is where our miracle is going to occur on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. What has just occurred? What's just occurred is that Jesus has fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. 4,000 people, seven loaves of bread. And the disciples find themselves in this boat. And in verse 14, guess what they're talking about? Snap. Wasn't that funny? No, okay. Snap. We only have one loaf of bread for us. Where are we going to get bread? And Jesus, who is the bread of life, who has fed 4,000 with seven loaves, and previous to that, he fed 5,000 with five loaves, is just sitting there and arguing with each other. Did you forget the bread, Peter? Did you eat the bread, Peter? Where is How come there's only one loaf of bread? And Jesus asked them a question. He asked them a question in verse 17 of chapter 8. Look at it with me. And Jesus, aware of this, aware of what, what they were talking about, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? And then verse 18, the key verse, having eyes, you, do you not perceive or understand? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And then jump to the very verse that precedes our text this morning, verse 21b. Do you not yet understand? I think what the reason that this healing is gradual is that God, in healing this blind man, is revealing how sight is restored gradually, physically for the blind man, mirroring the gradual restoration of sight to the formerly blind disciples. I mean, they've seen Jesus calm the storm. They've seen Jesus feed 5,000, feed 4,000, heal people, cast out demons. Listen, they've even done some of that. Remember a couple of weeks ago, they came back from a trip where they were casting out demons, where they were healing people. They see, but they don't see. And so God wants to share with us here the gradual nature of revelation. Now, 
I think a second point is how personal this um, this is, this personal touch. And, and I was trying to I was trying to find an account of what it might be like for a blind person to see. You know, in today's world, obviously. Um, It's difficult to find a first-person account of someone who was totally blind coming to sight. But I did find an article by a Dr. Oliver Sacks, who's a neurologist. And he wrote an article about a 50-year-old Oklahoman, pseudonamed Virgil. Of course, an Oklahoman's going to be named Virgil. Whose sight was restored after 45 years of blindness. He entitled the article this... To see and not to see. Now, Virgil had been virtually blind uh, since early childhood. He had thick cataracts and he had something called retinitis pigmentosa, which eats at the retinas. And, uh, but Virgil's doctor said, hey, we've had advances in medicine. Let's do the surgery. And so what I found in this article is Virgil's fiance's journal entry right after they took the bandages off of Virgil's eyes. So it's as close to first person as I can get. And here's what she wrote. Behold, Virgil can see. The entire office in tears. First time Virgil has sight for 40 years. Virgil's family, so excited, crying, can't believe it. Miracle of sight, restored, incredible. But the following day she writes, problems. Trying to adjust to being sighted. Tough to go from blindness to sighted. Like baby, just learning to see. Everything new, exciting, scary, unsure of what seeing means. Unsure of what seeing means. We see, but we don't see. This text is here to help us, to comfort us, that it's a process from going from totally blind, which is the description of an unbeliever, someone who does not know God, who is not a disciple of Christ, to someone who is sighted, who is a believer, but the, but the sight is dim. We see people walking around like trees, and we're trying to understand, and we're a little bit afraid of what we see, and trying to interpret the images, and Virgil had to do that. And, and when, he, when the bandages came off of his eyes, he laughed when he saw his doctor and when he saw his wife, but he didn't know how to interpret it. And things freaked him out. There were times he would close his eyes. He wanted to be blind again because he couldn't handle the stimuli. That's us. That's the disciples. And that's why this text is here. Jesus teaches us two very important things in this lesson about the gradual nature of spiritual sight. Number one is this. Jesus gives sight to the blind. Now this is the headline. This is the obvious point, right? Blind man sees. Only Jesus can open blind eyes. There is nothing in this text that would lead us to believe that somehow this blind man's faith produced his sight. The only reason this blind man went from being totally blind to seeing people like trees to seeing everything clearly is the touch of Jesus Christ on his life. And all of us are born blind, church. All of us are born without sight. This is called the fallen nature, total depravity. And if you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Christ, Christ has not 
taken you and given you sight and given you life and you have not professed him as your Lord, then you are the blind man here in this text. But all of us were that blind man apart from Christ's gracious touch on our lives. And we did nothing to deserve it. We did nothing to make it happen. It was totally by the sovereignty of God. In verse 22 in this narrative... We see that when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought this blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch him. You see that? Now some of you this morning, if you're not believers, may be in that literally boat. Someone may have brought you here this morning and I know they're praying, if they are believers, that God would touch you. Because spiritually you are blind. And the only hope you have, the only hope we have, is that God would touch us and give us sight. That we could see our need for a Savior. We could see our Savior. We would repent and believe and profess Him as our Lord. As a matter of fact, as I preach this message and as we pray at the end of this service and sing to the Lord, I pray that God would give you sight as you read about Jesus giving sight to the blind man in Bethsaida. Now, notice in verse 23a. Jesus takes the man by the hand and he leads him out of the village. What I want you to see here is the personal touch. Jesus takes the man by the hand. It's so personal. Four times in this text we have pictures of Jesus touching the man, laying his hands on the man. I pray this morning that if you do not know the Lord you would for the first time feel the Lord reach out and take you, metaphorically speaking, by the hand. And if you know Jesus, and maybe haven't felt that personal touch in a long time, I pray you would feel it again, whether for the first time or for the hundred and first time. That is God's desire for each one of us this morning. That we would experience the personal touch from God. Listen, in the Old Testament, Jesus being a Jew would have understood this. In the Old Testament, there are many reasons to lay hands on someone. One reason would be to dedicate a sacrifice to the Lord. Another reason would be to uh, put Levitical priests into place. There could be also just laying on of hands to bless you. I'm not sure that Jesus co-opted any of those in this text. He laid hands on this man for his own purpose. He is taking the Old Testament. He's not denying it, but he's now fulfilling it. I believe he laid his hands on this man to bring the holiness and the healing of God to this man. Jesus laid hands on this man to bring the holy, healing presence of God to him. And I pray he lays hand on you this morning to bring his holy, healing presence to you. Whether it's for the first time, if you're an unbeliever, or for the hundred and first time, if you're a believer and you just need his touch. May the Lord lay his hands on us, church, and bring his holy and healing presence to Palm Vista. This, this is God's desire this morning for us. This is what God is leading us to this morning. And as we take a look at this text, we see that yes, he spit on the man's eyes and that would be socially unacceptable to us. But in the first century, it wasn't as odd as you might imagine. As a matter of fact, it's not the first time that Jesus spit on somebody in the book of Mark. If you look at Mark chapter 7, verse 33, he spit on a man 
and touched his tongue with his spittle because the man couldn't speak and touched his ears with his spittle because the man couldn't hear and he healed the man. He healed the man. I want you to remember that Jesus spit to heal a blind man and he spit to heal a deaf man because in the second point, that's going to all come together. He did it on purpose to get our attention. They are connected. They are connected. And then Jesus does something else unusual. He asked the man, do you see anything? Please look at that with me in verse 23b. Do you see anything? And the man says, well, I I see see people, but they look like trees walking. He must have seen Gary Beecham and Cal. And so Jesus then lays his hand on the man a second time. This is the gradual nature of it. And look what it says at the end of verse 25. Look at it with me. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home and he said, don't even go in the village because this this miracle is not designed to witness to the village. This miracle is designed to witness to those guys that were standing around us when I took you out of the village and it was just you and me and my disciples because I'm teaching them. Lesson done, go home. And the guy's going, that was a good lesson because I got my sight out of that one. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I would say this. It may be an overstatement, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, and you can talk to me about it later in the week. I don't believe you can see anything clearly until you see Jesus clearly. Depends how you define clearly. He saw everything clearly because he saw Jesus clearly. That's what... That's what That's what the Lord is saying to his disciples about the gradual restoration of their sight. And that's what he's saying to us. And that's point two. Jesus gradually adjusts the sight he gives. Look, we understand this. It's only God that gives sight. I cannot save myself. But once he gives me sight, once he saves me, once he begins to reveal himself to me, it's going to be a process for me to see clearly. Go back to verse 23b. When Jesus is talking to the man, and I could just, listen, the guy was blind, okay? Now, I get it. He's about to be unblind in just a moment. But just imagine with me. He's blind. So Jesus is standing in front of him. The guy can't see Jesus. He can hear Jesus. So when Jesus says, do you see anything? This is what I see Jesus doing. Here's the blind man. Here's the 12 or 13 or 14 disciples just sitting around looking like that, you know, going, I'm still hungry. And, and Jesus says, do you see anything? This is what Jesus did. He turned his head because the blind man can't see him yet. And he said, do you see anything? See, he's asking the disciples, do you see anything? Because he just asked them in the previous verses, having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? He says, do you see anything? And the man says, I see people, but they're like trees walking. And I could just imagine that some of the disciples, the more clever ones, the ones whose grandfathers were from Galicia, the Gallegos in the group. Right, Mom? They started thinking, aha, I think I know where he's going with this. 
We see you, Jesus, but kind of like trees walking. I mean, we saw you calm the ocean and we think, woo, and we, we, we saw you feed 5,000 and we went, woo, and we saw you feed 4,000, but we don't quite get it, do we, Lord? It was just starting to dawn on them that that's what Jesus was all about. Do you see anything? Do you see anything? I would like to ask you that question. Do you see anything? If you don't, that means you're an unbeliever. And I'm praying God give you sight. But if you do and you tell me, Al, with all the stuff that's been happening in my life, with my children, at work, maybe with the church, I'm seeing a bunch of trees walking around. I can't even tell what kind of trees they are. It's a little blurry, Al. And quite frankly, my eyes are getting tired because I've been squinting. I wear contacts. So if I didn't have these contacts on, I would not be able to see your faces and your expressions. I wouldn't be able to see that you have sunglasses on your head or your daughter's on your lap. I wouldn't. You'd You'd look like trees sitting there. So I'd need my vision adjusted. And so Jesus begins to adjust their vision. And, and I want you to follow with me here on the screen and, and follow with me this, this, this adjustment of their vision, which begins before our text, and it's going to continue after our text, but the next screen. See, he takes them from no understanding, what we just read in Mark eight eighteen, having eyes do you not see, to partial understanding ne- next week's sermon when Peter confesses you are the Christ, the Messiah. I mean, he got that right and only God gave it to him. It's the only reason he got it right. But then misunderstanding because when Jesus says, I'm the suffering Messiah, Peter rebukes Jesus and then Jesus has to rebuke Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan. To clearer understanding. When at the cross, the centurion says, truly, this man was the son of God. The next eight chapters of Mark, we're going to slow down and go verse by verse and step by step because the most important thing is being revealed. Who is Jesus? And it really is not going to be until the Spirit is given, Jesus' resurrection for their forgiveness of sins, Jesus' ascension into heaven, and then where he and the Father pour out the Spirit, and on the day of Pentecost, then they're really going to see. But they're going to continue growing in their sight. Let me ask you this question. What do you see? What do you see? Here's the pastoral burden. Here's the pastoral burden. For so many of us, the gradual nature of our sight has wearied us. Nowadays, I not only wear contacts, but I wear reading glasses. And I actually have glasses not only for reading, but for my computer. So I've got like 14 layers on my glasses, okay? And, and it's like if I'm not looking at the right layer, it's fuzzy. And if it's fuzzy and I'm looking at it for a long time and I'm squinting and I'm trying to read it, I get tired, I get a headache, I get weary. And some of us are like that. We've been trying to focus, we've been trying to see. It's a gradual process. Jesus is encouraging us that it's going to happen, but we're tired, But but I'm here to tell you this. Jesus is helping us see. Jesus, by the work of the Holy Spirit, is revealing himself to us through each trial, through each disappointment, through each departure, through each moment that we say, Ah, this isn't the Jesus I thought he was. 
I'm looking for the political Messiah to boot Rome out. You're talking to me about the suffering Messiah? I rebuke you, Lord. Have you ever found yourself rebuking the Lord? No, 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 Lord. This can't be you. This is your church, Lord. What's going on? And he's saying, Tranquilo, Bobby. I'm revealing myself to you. Each trial, each moment, I am giving you sight. I'm bringing things into sharper focus. And when we embrace that and we say yes lord and then we begin to look and see him for what he is and who he really is and here is here's the pastoral burden for you in all of this there is an incredible personal touch my prayer for you church is that you would feel god's hand on your shoulder right now touching you As real as this blind man felt a hand, Jesus initiated, he said, here, give me your hand. We're blind. You know, it's like playing Marco Polo. Everybody's running away from you. You can't, you know, find anybody. But boom, Jesus says, here's my hand. Okay. And come on right over here. Okay, I can't see a thing. Trust me. All right. (laughs) Is that spit on my eyes? Yes. Mm. Okay. I see trees walking around. Okay, let me pray. And, and, and he's, he's touching us, church, individually and collectively. And he's going to restore our sight. One day we will be known. We will know as we are known. One day we'll see him face to face. That day's coming, and today I can trust him, and I can rest in him, because he is God. And there is no other. And that's the point I want to make with this final scripture. Here's the pastoral appeal. Here's the grace of God. Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. Here's what I pray God do for us as we wait. It's hard to wait. I want to see clearly. I want to see clearly. I want to see the vision. What's the next step, Al? I want to see the next step in my life. I want to have resolution and conflicts. I want to, I want to see. But I'm going to wait because I trust you. Because the fact that I can even see people like trees walking is all by grace. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. That's us. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. Anybody falling exhausted these days? Anybody weary these days? But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. You know, eagles have incredible sight. I forget the data on it, but they can see like a little rodent from way up there and nail them. Incredible sight. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, teach us to wait. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me. Father, I pray for my weary friends. Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace to wait. Lord God, I pray that you would unfurrow our brows as we squint furiously at the screen. That we would trust you in the gradual 
process of full sight being restored to us. In the gradual process of change, both individually and corporately. In the gradual process of your return. Lord, you are returning. No one knows when. So we wait with hope and with joy. And as we wait, we cry out, show us Christ. Lord, it is that vision that will strengthen us. It is that vision that will overcome all opposition, all disappointment, all discouragement. Lord, we're on this side of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. We pray this with all of our hearts. Break up the hard and stony ground, Lord. Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, plant your word down deep in us. Lord, cause it to bear fruit. Open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Lead us into truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that as a confession that he opened our ears and he give light to our darkened eyes and he would refresh our souls. Amen.